This is The Playbook. David Meltzer, welcome to Chat About Children. Welcome to the Raising Empowered Human series. Well, there's nothing I'd rather talk about than our future, our legacy, and our children. So thanks for giving him an opportunity to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. Oh, thank you. It's an it's an absolute joy to be chatting about this. I'm super passionate about it, as I know you are. And I know, David, on the daily, this is what you do. You empower people, not just the entrepreneurs of the world. Um, when I met you in person, I had my three children with me. And it was the most beautiful day and beautiful experience. Um, and I know they were inspired and they had some, you know, really, really deep questions to ask me about who you were and what you did and why you did what you did. And I just, it just made my heart sing. So I'm like, this is why I wanted you to meet David. So um, I would love, David, to ask the question, you know, you're certainly countless people see you as an empowered human yourself. How much of that do you attribute to the way you were raised? You know, I attribute a lot of everything I am to not only my genetic inheritance of how I was raised, but my energetic inheritance of my belief system. You see, I was always taught that I was a bag of beliefs, that my beliefs would determine what I did, said, think, and feel. And so I've always understood the power of believing. And although I had financial difficulties, trauma, uh, a variety of things like everyone else. I've been hit in the face still today, every day. It's just I've learned to spend minutes and moments when life happens to me. But I've always been taught to have the appropriate beliefs aligned with where I think I want to be or better. Uh, and through that journey, I've also learned a great lesson when it comes to raising children or empowering children and it's that we have to have the patience, as my mom did, a single mom who raised six kids, five boys and a girl, and worked two jobs at the time as a second grade teacher and filled up uh, turnstiles at gre uh, with greeting cards at convenience stores and packed our dinner in a paper bag in between two jobs just so we could eat. But what I've learned is you have to have patience uh, to understand that everything that we know when raising children and empowering people in general doesn't mean that they're ready for. And so uh, my mission is beyond just raising is to plant seeds, to plant seeds under trees that I may never sit under. And I think that is an important, valuable lesson, not only in raising myself uh, with the unbelievable mom that I had, but also now putting it and carrying it forward uh, to understand how harvests truly occur. I love that. And patience is certainly a virtue that can feel very distant for the modern busy parent, I have to say. There's almost a real intention required and a real practice. Um, and, and with all the, the principles and the philosophies that you share, which are pretty much transformational and, and really a way of being, if I can say that, one of the things that you do talk about, and I'm going to jump right to this, is the the power of accountability. And I've heard you talk about this and I'm like, that's really cool. And the word itself, I imagine people come into like that energy of shame, like, oh, accountable means I've done something wrong. So I'd love for you to expand on, on that. Speak more yeah, to well, accountability. It's, it's a yeah, accountability is a real cornerstone because 
in order to have uh, two of the key components to peace, joy, harmony, and life, we need to have gratitude, which is the perspective of finding light, love, and lessons, and forgiving and, and forgiveness in order to handle uh, the light, love, and lessons. And that cornerstone of accountability is your ability to learn the light, love, and lessons and to forgive uh, the fact that we don't know what we don't know. And what I mean by that is there's three different facets to learning. One is when things occur that we did not plan or we did not hope for, we need to be responsible for that. We can't live in the blame, the shame, and the justification that sucks our soul and doesn't allow us or interferes us from our potential. Instead, we need to ask ourselves, what did I do to be responsible for this unplanned uh, circumstance? And most importantly, through gratitude and forgiveness, what have I learned? The second perspective is, what did I do to attract this to myself at an energetic level? And what am I supposed to learn from it once again, through gratitude, the ability to find the light, the love and the lessons and what we attracted and also forgiving ourselves for not being perfect, for being human, for just pursuing our potential, doing our best and learning these lessons. And of course, enjoying it instead of punishing ourselves, being victors, not victims. And then finally, the latest nuance of accountability, this cornerstone uh, that ties together my gratitude and my forgiveness. And it's just recently that I've really been able to articulate the importance of it. It's what did I do to participate in the perception of this and what am I supposed to learn from it? You see, when I was able to tie in not only gratitude and forgiveness and the responsibility and the attraction, but to realize that I was in complete control when I was accountable, utilizing gratitude and forgiveness by participating in the meaning of the shortage, void, obstacle, failure, defining moment, trauma, even success in my life. And if I was capable through accountability, not to create a victimization of shame, blame, and justification, but instead empowerment and ease and control of simply what am I doing to participate in this to learn it so that it doesn't happen again, so that I am protected and promoted, not punished. I love that. Super powerful and hugely liberating, hugely liberating. And, and I, I, and I, I guess, again, coming from an energetic level, that process that you just described, really, it clears the pathway for you to continue to grow. It clears the pathway for you to feel that sense of control, which is what you want to, what you want to, um, what you want to feel. But then it also makes you, as you said, it makes you that active participant where you can actually ease into having a laugh at yourself and just going, okay, like, you know, I can berate myself for only so long. And you talk about this, how long do you want to, you know, kind of stew in that? And then when do we move forward, take the lesson and move on? So I thank you. I love that. Now, the other thing you did talk about, and this was in Sydney, and you talk about it, obviously, quite a bit, the ferocious Buddha. And I would, I just want you to just go talk to it, talk about it, explain it, because uh, I think that's a beautiful yeah, I'll let you take it from here. Talk to talk sure. to us about this. Well, I was inspired years ago uh, with a clothing brand here in the United States, and I think it had reached uh, Australia as well. It was called the Psycho Bunny, 
and they took the cuddle the the most cuddly creature the calmest baby like just huggable creature and they made it psycho and i always found that oxymoron to be extraordinarily attractive and uh as i became one of the world's uh you know significant coaches and speakers and authors i realized there was a reconciliation that was even greater than the psycho bunny and it was the ferocious buddha and what i mean by that is i have more people that uh, can't understand reconciliation and i tried to explain it in the context of time that you know there is a past present and future that are one and the past is unlimited only controlled by the meaning you give it and the future is unlimited only limited by your own self-image since we never and can never overachieve our own self-image but how do we reconcile the 24 hours of today where we have to drive our kids to school and pay for the mortgages and uh, there is limits given by the 24 hours and understanding this conflict when trying to coach people into enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of their potential. And then after describing this extremely encouraging, ferocious pursuit, I would say, but we have to surrender. We have to allow the things to happen. And immediately they went to, well, you can't be ferocious and be a Buddha. You you can't do your best, learn lessons and have fun all day long without wanting to get something, an end result, an outcome, a win or a loss or some sort of transaction, a, a trade or a negotiation in life, a scarce future, not a abundant one with infinite uh, possibilities that are better than we can even imagine. And so I created my own character, uh, which I think best allows us to be ferocious every day in the pursuit of what we want in life or better, but without attaching our emotions like a Buddha to the outcome so that we can do our best all day. We can be productive, accessible, and gracious. We can be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. We can be students of our calendar and time freaks and you know whatever the pragmatic worry about our mortgages and uh, you know making sure our kids get to the practice on time and all the things that in a Buddhist world are irrelevant and illusions. But yet I'm living today and I need a place to sleep I need food on my table, not just for me, but for my children. And I want to teach them to do their best learn lessons and have fun. I want them to be productive, accessible, and gracious every single day with the activities, not being busy, but being active beyond belief with activities they planned, unplanned, and sleep, paid for and unpaid for. But yet in that pursuit of their potential of what they want, who they can help, who can help them to be able to surrender, to allow the outcomes to happen with a source of faith that if they do their best learn lessons and have fun, that they'll be protected and promoted and put into a better place, a better situation, a better position, even though it doesn't seem like it than they ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of depth to that. So I hope that listeners and viewers come back and listen to that again, because there is a lot of depth. And it's actually a, a again a crucial a crucial principle in terms of a way of being and living, and I think that allowing. When I listen to that, I I really feel that connection back to our natural rhythm as humans. And when you if you swap out the word busy to 
you know, activities of fulfillment. What activities would I like to fulfill? And you, you know, switching the language is super powerful. And one of the things, and the reason I really wanted to um, kind of extend on this was I was I was listening to some recent insights, and there were Australian New Zealand insights on the youth, and there was a statistic that came out that four to twelve year olds at the moment, sixty six percent of them are worried about the cost of living. And I thought, really, four to twelve year olds. So I'd love David to understand, and you you touched on the you know the scarcity and the abundance and the allowing. So I'd love for you to extend a little bit more and share your words of wisdom on when it comes to raising empowered humans, when it comes to money and their relationship to it. What role can we play so that you know they're not absorbing all of that? Can you speak more to that? Sure. Well, I think number one, we have to look at money as an energy, just like time, space, and behavior. And I think understanding how energy works is why over 60% of four to 12 year olds are living in dis-ease. And if we're living in dis-ease, not only will we have uh, the worry about money, but we'll have also other worries that create physical disease, nutrition, chronic disease, all types of things that are plaguing depression, anxiety, uh, all types of different mindset, heart set, enhanced set issues for those four to 12 year olds. And the reason is, is that as parents, we need to get more effective of explaining abundance. You see, through gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, we can teach those 60 or so percent of kids to live in a world of more than enough to understand we don't need more or we wouldn't be here. No more money, more happiness, more health, more friends, more worthiness. But yet what we want to teach them is you live not only in a world of appreciation where you're here to add value to everything you see, think, say, do, and feel. You live in a world of acknowledgement and acquiring the knowledge of what you have has only gotten by not having it anymore. And it goes beyond just giving. It goes to losing it or, you know, having it cheated, stolen from you. This is acknowledgement. But where we fall down as parents is that we teach the ideas through our societies of trade, negotiation, of transaction, of a world either of not enough where you're a victim or even a world of just enough for me where we buy things when we're not happy buy more things when we're not happy, buy different things when we're not happy, buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And so I encourage everyone to look at whether it's money, time, space, relationships, events, any type of disease, chronic physical disease, mental disease, spiritual disease. When our children at four years old are at disease in any way, mentally, physically, or spiritually, we have to teach them abundance. We have to take them out of the zero sum game in which so many countries and people, philosophies, spirituality, theories, and religions are totally empowering and infusing into our children and remind and remember and recollect a source of faith of more than enough of everything. Remind, remember, and recollect that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that will promote our children, protect our children. And that pain is just an indicator that we have a better place to be, a better position to be in. And if we can not only appreciate what we have and acknowledge it, but ask for more 
in a value add world where we add value not only by giving and losing and cheating and manipulating things from us, but by asking for more, by giving someone that value of being of service and value to you to understand that giving, receiving, and witnessing are all one. And if we can live in the world of more than enough and teach our children to live in a world of more than enough, there will be more than enough for everyone and everything. And this dis-ease that you shared with us with over 60% of four to 12-year-olds living in some sort of dis-ease, it will dissolve, it will dissipate. And hopefully within the context of my mission of empowering over a billion people to be abundant, to make more money, help more people and have more fun, eventually it'll dissolve. Thank you. I, I'm so grateful for your sharing of that because it is absolutely, it's a fundamental to living with ease and grace. And just to finish off with David, because I'd love for you to share before we uh, before we clock off, um, you know, that uh, the beautiful generous offer of connected to goodness. So we'll get the, to that in a sec. But the last thing I'd love to share is after I did come away meeting you in person, um, I really felt a, I described you as someone who was radically humble. And that is something that I truly, um, I really value for all of humanity. Um, and when I'd love for you to share just, you know, how do you feel you might practice this daily? How does it look? You know, for me, radical humility is understanding time is a dependent variable of not trying to get more, as I suggested before, but to live in the world of I am. Knowing what I don't know, uh, trying to only spend minutes and moments in disease or fair, fear, uh, I'm capable of living I am. I remind, remember, and recollect every day what I am, who walks with me, through me, and for me. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I instead put my focus in on what am I doing to interfere with it? And then I spend minutes and moments in the interference, in the disease, instead of days, weeks, months, and years, searching for a why, searching for a purpose or a passion or profitability that I already have because I live in abundance. And yet for minutes and moments every day when I get kicked in the face and I have a need to be upset or separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, angry, worried, whatever it may be, to live in the ignorant and arrogance that somehow I know what I don't know. I step back and remind and remember and recollect that radical humility that allows me to be a ferocious Buddha, to live in ease and to provide all that comes through me, that omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves me more than my mom, that protects and promotes me, even though I don't understand how some of the things like bankruptcy and abuse and trauma that has occurred in my life and everyone else's, how could that be protection and promotion and love? Well, I now know as I sit in radical humility, the majority of my time that I am at ease that although I may not understand what I don't understand, that I have a source of faith that I'm protected and promoted and loved and I'm going to end up in a better position in a better situation because I now can give more by having more. You cannot give more by having less and it is ignorant arrogance that will create that interference. So live with 
ignorant humility with gratitude and forgiveness, accountability and inspiration, allow everything to come through you more than enough of everything for everyone. You will make more money, help more people and have more fun. And if you are four to 12 years old and somehow come upon this, all I ask you is to remember, these are just seeds. You're not ready. You may not be ready to understand 99.9% .9 of what we're sharing today, but I know I planted them. And when you're 55, like me, I hope you remember and recollect and remind yourself, it's my job to pass it forward, to pay it forward and plant more seeds. I just need to leave a silent pause there. <laughs> David, I am so grateful. I would love for you to share a little bit about Connected to Goodness because I know you offer it to um, anyone in the US. You post out that incredible book, uh, free postage to US. I have my own copy in Australia and outside of US. Um, you do send that audio and, and ebook version. Um, and yes, feel free to email David at david at dmeltzer.com. Um, tell us more about, you know, if there are any other ways that you'd love people to find you, please do share. I do free Friday trainings every Friday worldwide. I have a group worldwide that meets on Monday where I have office hours and answer questions and have a private networking group of people who want to help each other and know people who can help each other. And of course, I give my exercises, my guides and my ebook and audiobook around the world, the printed copy in the United States, I'll pay for postage and the book, of course. Uh, but I am truly on a mission to find a thousand people like you, to empower a thousand people, to empower a thousand people, a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. I can change the world and so can you. Let's do it together. Let's create a collective consciousness of abundance, of happiness, joy, harmony that exists Let's figure out together, all of us, what we're doing to interfere with it. Email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Remember, be more interested than interesting. And most importantly, be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. Thank you for having me. Thank you, David. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much.